Well, before I go into the main uh, issues that I'm going to talk about in this episode, let me just say that in the research that I was doing leading up to this, preparing to do this episode, the only conclusion that I came to is, wow, it would be horrible to be a presidential candidate or to try to really be deeply involved in politics because when you get looking into really all of these issues, just all of these little issues, there are so many things. I mean, I was just using this website and I'll come back to it here. So the website is isidewith.com slash polls. And it talks about like the main issues showing where most Americans stand, how supposedly they're polling. And honestly, I don't even know when this was updated. Was it updated? Let me actually take a peek here. This was updated, oh, last answer seven minutes ago. Seven minutes ago. By the way, I'm recording this episode on July 18th, 2023. I'm not sure exactly when it'll get released, probably within a couple weeks. But anyway, um, so I'm looking at this website and see what I was trying to figure out is where do I really stand on all of these political issues? Because we have a big, big issue in our society, especially in the U.S. where I'm from nowadays, where we pretty much identify as one thing or the other. Are you Republican or are you Democrat? Are you conservative? You liberal? You a liberal? You an alt-right conservative conspiracy theorist? What are you? It's one or the other, right? And I'm like, okay, well, I identify probably more as Republican nowadays just because I was thinking in my head. I'm like, well, I would say maybe on like seven or eight of the ten big issues I identify more with more as Republican or what like Republicans kind of believe more so, and there's a lot of gray area here, but I identify more as Republican on like seven or eight of the 10 big issues. And I'm like thinking in my head that there are like 10 big issues, <laughs> right? Like I had like a list written down here. I'm like, okay, so we got abortion, we got gun control, we got foreign policy, immigration, gay marriage, healthcare, weed. <laughs> like anyway, um, you know, I had like a list of these topics, right? And then I get like looking at the, this thing, this I side with dot com slash polls. It's like all of the big political issues that are, well, political issues in the United States. And I'm like, Jesus, how many could we possibly have on this list? There's like, you know, they're divided into subcategories. You've got it starts with the social issues, then it starts with domestic policy issues, then healthcare issues, economic issues, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, we have like over a hundred topics that I'm supposedly supposed to know about, right? And literally, you know what I think I might do since I like to, you know, talk about different things in this podcast, I might take you know, since next year is an election year, and I do like to try to educate myself somewhat. I mean, most of us that are voting in most countries around the world, we're just, we're ignorant. We don't have any idea what we're actually voting for. We're just voting based on the couple things we saw in the news or, you know, some memes or some tweets or stuff on social media. We're ignorant. Let's be real about this. Um, but I am going to try to, like, educate myself a little bit better. And I think maybe what I'll do, I don't know, maybe I'll even have to think about this. Should I, like, make an episode maybe once a week about one of these issues and, like, really study it in detail? It's one of the things I like about this podcast in general is to be able to kind of, you know, as I, as I teach things, hopefully teaching you some things, I learn a lot myself. But anyway, maybe take one of these issues and learn more about it for myself and then kind of pick a side on it, which, you know, I was doing a little bit a few months ago when we had that sensitive subject series, which of course, some of these topics like abortion, like gun control, like transgender if I can call it that, were discussed. And on all three of those topics, I probably lean more uh, Republican than Democrat um, in general. And uh, so what I kind of wanted to do with this episode is just go through some of what I feel are the biggest political issues that exist within the U.S. And obviously these 
issues are also very prevalent around the world. I mean, the debate is is the same in a lot of different countries for different reasons. But I wanted to kind of like explain briefly my stance on a few things. And here's the thing. Like most of us, part of the reason I decided to do this is because I, I'm saying to myself, okay, I want to be able to articulate better why I have a certain, certain stance on certain issues. Uh, because most of us really don't do that that well either <laughs> the people who are really passionate can but most of us we just like yeah we're like yeah i believe this but i can't even really explain or articulate why so i'm trying to improve on that a little bit as well and also to just kind of discover to see to see like where i really do fall on some of these issues so i want to kind of go through some of the main bigger issues that everyone thinks of when they think of political issues kind of explain why i am where i am on them right now um, yeah, and then, then go from there, you know, and just to like to back things up a little bit. So, you know, I'm a 34-year-old American. I've spent most of my life in the U.S. Um, I, it's actually, it's interesting because like if you look at me from the outside, you might say, oh, he's probably more likely to identify more as a liberal. You know, sometimes, um, you know, like I live in the city of Minneapolis, which is a very liberal city. I live downtown in a, an apartment complex that is ridiculously liberal. I mean, um, yeah, I, I have even some jokes about just how liberal it is living down here. Uh, the, the, the kind of main joke that I make is that I'm the only like, uh, you know, I'm the only straight male that can still bench press at least 135 pounds that lives in the city of Minneapolis. So the city needs me, really. Like I'm, the, I'm the only one that's going to be able to make this city continue to reproduce and procreate. But I make a lot of jokes about like just how liberal Minneapolis is nowadays. Um, but anyway, all joking aside, so like from the outside, you might assume that I'm more of a liberal, especially because my background, like I worked as an interpreter for many years. Um, I am, I still do identify as mostly, I guess we would call it liberal on things related to immigration. Um, because like the kind of the, the, the way people see it, especially and Trump really brought this on the way people see Republicans in the U.S. is kind of. Well, I mean, we could even use the word like racist, right? Like, or just like very nationalist, you know, essentially kind of like the, the white rednecks, if you want to call it that. That's kind of the way people see Republicans more so in the U.S. And so you might assume, oh, well, Sean has spent all these time in other countries. He speaks other languages. He has lots of friends from other places. Um, you know, he lives in Minneapolis, which is arguably like the most liberal city in the U.S. nowadays. He lives downtown. He's probably a little liberal, but I'm actually not. I mean, in, in probably 75% of these issues, I identify more with the Republican side of things. And just like for full disclosure, this is something that I haven't talked to even that many people about. But so like my voting record. So I guess let's see, the first time I was able to vote was 2008. I did. I voted for Obama twice. I voted for Obama twice in 2008 and in 2012. And I think at the time I was, <laughs> well, I'll call myself a little bit more naive than I am now. Um, then in 2016, I voted for Trump. And I actually didn't tell very many people that just there were a lot of us like me that did that. Like we voted for Trump for our different reasons, and we were afraid to say it to people because we were afraid we would lose friends. And see, the main reasons that I voted for Trump was, so at the time, I was big into foreign policy and understanding international relations and what was going on in the world, and I was very convinced in my head that if we voted for Hillary, and if Hillary won, then we were going to enter even into an all-out bigger war in Syria. We were going to keep intervening even more in a lot of these Middle Eastern countries, whereas Trump was campaigning on more of a policy of, hey, let's get some of our troops out of these areas. Let's stop 
entering into all these new wars. Let's focus on the economy here at home. Let's bring some jobs back, you know, to Americans, things like that. Um, that was kind of one of my big things, the reasons I voted for him. There were a couple other little things as well. Um, but that's something I don't really talk to that many people about. Um, I'm a bit more open about it now. At the time, I, like I said, I hardly told anybody, not even my family. Um, and it was it was mainly out of fear and cowardice, you know, just because at the time I was someone who would rather, I'd rather just, oh, I'll make my vote, but I'm not going to like, I didn't want any confrontation. Whereas nowadays, you know, I'm a bit more comfortable with confrontation and just explaining, no, this is why I believe this. This is why I voted for this person. This is why I did this, right? Now, in 2020, I decided not to vote. It was a very tricky time. I mean, the two options were Trump and Biden, which... God almighty, help my soul. We're probably going to have the same two options in 2024. I haven't followed it that closely, right? Um, but, and at the time, like, don't get me wrong. When I, when I, you know, I voted for Trump. Do I think that Trump is a good person to have as president? Not really. But um, I thought he was a better option than Hillary at the time. And let's be realistic here. In the U.S., it's, it's, there's two people. It's a two-party system. Anybody else who tries to come up as independent, whatever, at least nowadays, it's just not going to work. It's the Republican candidate versus the Democratic candidate. And so at the time, I felt that Trump was a better option than Hillary. Now, when 2020 came around, we I mean, we had a lot going on. And part of the reason I decided to vote is just because I'm like, I don't even care. I got too many other problems in my life right now. But I do remember I did take a solid... Uh, a few hours on a couple days, like in mid to late 2020, to try to really understand the issues. Because what's happened in the U.S. is it's become so polarized and really based on stuff that's not even actually like factual information. Like people, essentially the people who vote for Biden vote for Biden because they hate Trump and the people that vote for Trump vote for Trump, a lot of times, not even necessarily because they hate Biden, but they're just like, okay, Biden is totally incompetent. He's almost dead. And I'm sick of this left wing agenda. And they're all a bunch of like, <laughs> I could ramble about that. But like, we're not voting for the person we vote for because we like that person. We're voting because in general, they're better than the other side. <laughs> like, they're better than the other side's horrible options. Um, and I think almost everybody in the US would agree with that sentiment. Um, so we don't have good options. We haven't had good options for years. I mean, I would say that Obama, um, at least just from a personal standpoint, was, yeah, a good person to have in there as president. I didn't really like that many of the policies that he ended up kind of putting forward. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. So I decided not to vote in 2020, which some people will say, well, that was unpatriotic. But literally, like, I, I sat there and I thought through it and I looked through the issues and I'm like, well, I can't figure it out. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I would probably go with Biden and his team. I don't think Biden makes any of the decisions, but like I would probably go with Biden on these issues. I would probably go with Trump on these issues. It's kind of a toss up. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in trouble anyway. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not even going to waste my time with it because I can't pick one of the two. I don't even care. Right. And then of course, Biden won, you know, and here we are, whatever. Um, and who knows, would things be better had Trump won? I don't know. Um, but anyway, we got 2024 coming up and I do plan to vote. I don't know who I'm going to vote for. I will not be voting for Biden himself. Um, there's a chance I might vote for Trump. I really hope he does not win the Republican nomination. Like if Trump wins the Republican nomination, I'm in trouble <laughs> in terms of like what to do going to the, to the voting booth. I would say if it's Ron DeSantis or basically any other Republican besides Trump, it's an easy pick for me. It's just pick the Republican candidate if the Republican candidate isn't Trump. Now, do I think that Trump's, do I disagree with all of Trump's policies? No, I mean, I kind of agree with a decent amount of his policy ideas, but quite frankly, I just, I think that Minneapolis is going to go up in flames if Trump wins in 2024, and I'm afraid for my safety and the safety of my friends. I think that we're going to have so many protests 
around here. I think it's going to get wild if Trump wins again. That's not going to be good, and I'm I'm scared about that possibility. So um, anyway, once again, bring out the cowardice in me a little bit. But I just I don't want Trump to win mainly just because I know the sentiment that's going to bring up throughout the country, particularly where I live, um, and it's it's not going to be peaceful in my opinion. Um, anyway, so. Um, all right, so let's get into like some of these issues, and I'll I'll kind of back up like why I stand where I do on some of them. And again, I'm going to keep this brief. This is going to be maybe between 30 minutes to 60 minutes total this episode. I'm not going to go over an hour on this stuff, but just like okay, um, you know, why do I nowadays identify more as a Republican? Because like I said, I voted for Obama the first two times. I probably identified maybe more as a liberal than as a Republican. Um, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. Well, no, yeah, longer than that now. I'm getting old. Ten years ago. Um, and then probably over the last five to six, seven years, basically ever since Trump came around, I've started identifying more as a Republican. Um, and, okay, so, like, to, to get in just, like, to the big issues, because I've switched particularly in the last, you know, five years or however much on some of these major issues, which is why I feel like I have to identify as a Republican if you're going to make me pick one or the other. You know, we're all kind of in the middle of the spectrum somewhere, but I do have to identify as a Republican now just because the first big one is abortion. So I am pro-life now, and I have an episode where I explain this in detail. I used to be, used to not really care, but if you'd asked me, I would have said I'm pro-choice. So why am I pro life now with certain very rare rare exceptions okay and i know there are parts of the world that i can't remember you know which states it is in the u.s now there were the states with the trigger bans that like you know once roe v wade got overturned they automatically outlawed abortion um there's a few of them that still you know they make uh, exceptions for abortion in cases of rape incest and when the woman's health is in jeopardy so like that's kind of where i fall okay like i do believe that abortion should be allowed in those true cases where it's either rape incest a woman's health is in jeopardy whatever um the thing about it is is that those are rare cases what i'm against at this point is abortion being used as a contraceptive method which is the majority of cases and i've done a big analysis on this about why like if you look in the u.s in particular it's actually gotten a little better it used to be worse i believe that like was it in the 80s and 90s i want to say like somewhere between one and five and one in ten babies were being aborted in the u.s um and you know the reasons why we could get into that it's but i really i, I don't like that i mean i think that um you know it's it's like around is it like one percent of something like one percent of the abortions something like that are actually related to like rape or incest or um, you know, the woman's health being in jeopardy. But like the, the, the great majority of abortions are just simply by choice because it was a mistake, right? The woman got pregnant, they were not trying to get pregnant, and then boom, abortion, okay? And I really don't like the idea that we are, I have to be real with the words here, that we are killing, you know, one out of every five or one out of every 10 or whatever the statistic was, babies just because, oh, that was a mistake, we shouldn't have done that. You know, life is a precious thing. And um, I will stand up, you know, I've, I've said this on the previous podcast, I will say right now that if I have, um, you know, if I get a woman pregnant, whether it's on purpose, I hope it's on purpose, or if it's on accident, I will be pushing to have that baby. Why? Because I've had a child in my life now for two years, um, my ex-girlfriend's son who I lived with for two years, um, and I understand the great value that comes with having a child in your life. Like I would, uh, you know, I love that experience and I would, you know, wouldn't trade the world for it. You know what I mean? So, 
um, you know, if I get a woman pregnant at any point, regardless of the circumstances, I am going to be pushing for her to have that baby, even if we weren't trying to, even if it was a total accident, even if it's a one night stand, okay? Um, because I understand the value of that comes with being a parent or a parental figure, at least, um, to a child. So there's that. Like it's, it's. I, I know that some women out there might say, well, easy for you to say, you don't, you know, you wouldn't, you could just run away, right, or whatever. Well, I'm not going to run away for one. Now I understand the fact that I don't have to go through the nine months of you know uh, whatever of labor uh, and everything yes you can make the argument against me for that um, however I just think in general just the way that abortion has been used in the United States like I said just such a high rate of pregnancies being aborted um, I think that's it's, it's really well it shows a lot of cultural issues we have and issues we have around sex and romance and things like that and also it's just it's a poor population strategy okay i mean we have in the western world we we are not doing very well in terms of population uh, replacement uh, particularly actually now here <laughs> this is going to sound racist but particularly particularly among the white community in the u.s like our uh, birth rate is not high enough to continue reproducing you know the other races in the u.s particularly mexicans um you know uh, trying to think who else are having babies at a good high rate right but this is what we want i mean most of the eastern world and most of like africa for example i don't know the stats on this but they're doing a good job of replacing the population whereas in the west we are not you know most western nations and even nations like japan for example i believe uh, I think there's an issue in China. They had the one-child policy. But long story short is they're not having enough births to repopulate correctly. And I know some people say, well, we, can't have, we don't want to have too many people in the world. You'll hear the, the alt-right conspiracy theorists talk about the population reduction agenda, and we could get into all that. But long story short, I don't think that, um, I don't think that we should be concerned about reaching a capacity like getting over the world's capacity for how many people we should we should be freely having children okay ha yes have children in a responsible way but i don't think we should be limiting ourselves to oh you can only have one child or whatever you shouldn't have children the world's already too populated i, I disagree with that statement I, I do disagree with that and we could debate it there's a lot of aspects of it but anyway um that's kind of why i stand where i do on abortion now gun control at this point um, you know, like, uh, okay, so the main Republican argument is about the Second Amendment, the, re the right to bear arms. Um, Republicans in general will never want to take that away. I do identify as more Republican now on that. Um, uh, well, I've talked in this podcast about how I'm learning to hunt, which doesn't necessarily involve firearms. The main thing I'm learning to do is learning to bow hunt. Um, now, I, am, I do have a permit to carry a weapon. I don't currently own a weapon. I might get one at some point, just like a, a pistol, a handgun. Um, but, um, you know, all hunting and things like that aside, the reason that I support the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms is just kind of the standard, I guess I'll call it the standard Republican argument, which is that um, I want the people to have a, a chance against a rogue government, against a government that does not have their best interests at stake. Because that was sort of the, the point of it, as I understand it originally, is if a government... Um, you know, is ever going to turn against its own people, for example, which many alt-right Republican conspiracy theorists, if I call them that, will already say that that's happened in the U.S., we want to have a chance to defend ourselves. Essentially, I, at this point, I don't trust my government and those people in power more than I trust myself and other ordinary citizens. And so I don't like the idea that all of the power, and yes, weapons are power, there are other m means of having power as well. I don't like the fact that... Um, you know, ordinary citizens don't even have the ability 
to get that sort of power to defend themselves, at least on a basic level. And we're not even talking, yeah, we could get into the debates about, you know, oh, well, what about, you know, yeah, AK-47s and AR-15s and assault weapons and all this stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of gray area debate around that. But my basic argument is that as citizens, we should have the right when we when we do the proper training um, and when we, you know, are, you know, it's been essentially certified that we're going to use these weapons properly, we should have the right to have a weapon for self-defense um, when necessary. Um, and it's a big, big, massive debate. But that's kind of my general argument towards it. So I guess I'll... I'll leave it at that. Like I said, all of these are very nuanced topics. Um, now, like to go into a couple of these other issues. So, like, there's there's a few that I'll just go into that I am a bit more liberal on. Still, I mean, I would say that on the topic of immigration, I am still more of a liberal. Liberal, like I'm very much one of like let people in, so to speak. Like let people in. I mean, heck, probably three quarters of my friends are immigrants. <laughs> uh, maybe not quite that high, but like, um, okay, immigration is a tricky one because you know you'll hear the Okay, the Republican argument is that, you know, we want strong borders, right? Or we can't let all these people keep coming across illegally, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, okay. Obviously, um, the ideal thing would be for people to keep coming legally into the U.S. and have lots and lots of immigrants come in legally um, and, you know, get a, a prosperous life here in the U.S. Now, uh, for many reasons that's still not possible and that's a reason why we have i don't know is it you know 10 15 million you know uh, illegal immigrants you know we call them illegal aliens that's what the freaking i can't believe that's like the official line you know what i mean like they're literally called like illegal aliens maybe we can call them undocumented immigrants i like that a little bit better um but anyway um you know, there's many reasons why we have so many undocumented immigrants living in the U.S. And part of it is our own immigration policy issues. But then a bigger part is just political issues, particularly in places like Mexico, you know, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua, you know, like all of Central America. Um, Venezuela is a big one now. Lots of other countries around the world. All right. It's political issues that start in other countries um, and the people don't have an option. There's, a, there's like there's a reason that so much illegal immigration exists. Um, it is what it is now. Um, do I have any idea how to make it so that the legal immigration system is easier for people? I, I mean, I have no idea. It's too massive of a topic. But I mean, like, my stance is I believe that um, we should be trying to allow in as many immigrants as possible, hopefully in a legal way. Now, um, I've obviously known a lot of undocumented immigrants throughout the last probably 10, 12 years, especially working as an interpreter and just, you know, in my personal life. Um, I've never, I, I kind of disagree with the notion that like undocumented immigrants are like a problem. Um, I find them to be in general like more law abiding because they know that if they do anything wrong, they're getting sent back home. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of a not so nice way to put it. But um, I think that this idea that undocumented immigrants are in general criminals is is false. Um, just in my experience, I disagree with that. Um, like I said, I wish I had a better solution for how to you know get them documented. Um, and you know, now the interesting part about this is is like a lot of the people who will you know talk shit about Trump will say, oh, well, Trump is, you know, he's anti-immigrant or whatever. Well, like when you study the immigration policies of like Trump versus Obama, it's actually, it's kind of hard for me to determine who is a better president for immigrants, people trying to immigrate to the U.S. Um, you know, Obama's administration deported much more, actually, if I remember the statistics correctly. So the Obama administration deported a lot of people. Um, now, 
the Trump, okay, so the Trump administration rescinded a part of DACA, which is Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, which that was, and in my opinion, that was a little bit overblown by the media. I, I mean, he didn't, they didn't take away the whole thing, but there was that aspect of it. Um, I guess, like, long story short here is this is a very nuanced topic as well. Like, it's not something that, like, oh, Obama loves immigrants and wants all of them to come, and Trump hates them and wants all of them to leave or never come. Like, that's definitely, it's not like that at all. It's very complicated, in my opinion, to try to figure out which president of the two did better for immigrants. Now, like, the Biden administration, I have no idea. I think I haven't looked into, like, statistics. I mean, we hear all the time from the from the Republicans that, oh, the border's a mess, and they're, 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 we got to do something about what's going on on down there and it's wild in texas you got people just crawling around all over the place i don't know um so i don't know what's really going on exactly right now but the point is immigration is a tricky one i lean more liberal just in the sense of i think that we should be allowing as many immigrants as possible that want to come um yeah um again a lot of details in that one as well now um what else so like okay so things like gay marriage things like uh legalizing marijuana i'm i'm liberal you know, I'm for gay marriage. I'm for legalizing marijuana. Um, I don't even think we need to go that much into that. Um, like affirmative action, I lean more Republican. I don't like affirmative action policies. And this is, um, you know, people wouldn't like me saying this, but unfortunately, affirmative action policies they are racist policies. They're saying that, you know, based, well, not always, is it always race? Like essentially, okay, like an example of an affirmative action policy is saying that, uh, I think there was something that was just like revoked. Was it in California or something? Where it was essentially where like Asians, for example, were having the hardest time getting into universities because Asians in general have such, like Asians living in the US have such better test scores and do so much better in school on average that legislatures or whatever had made it harder for them to get into universities, whereas they give black Americans more opportunities because statistically black uh, Americans have lower test scores, et cetera, and don't do as well in school. And so like, if you compare Asian Americans to black Americans, I'm not even trying to bring in the, the white versus black debate here because I'll get slammed as a racist, but like, but like just comparing Asian Americans to black Americans, you could have a black American that like everything else is equal and they get much lower you know they get lower grades than the asian american but they get accepted into the school or they get the scholarship because the affirmative action program and the scholarship program is trying to make it so that more black people can get into the school right um whereas you know for asians since asians traditionally do so well they're trying to even things out a little bit but that that's not a fair way to do it actually right like that is it's it's a race-based policy um you know and that's like for me like these affirmative action programs uh, unfortunately, and this is this is a tough topic because obviously the U.S. has a, a massive history of racism, you know, of slavery and everything. Uh, like I think that what's happened now, though, especially in you know recent decades and years, is that a lot of these policies that are put in place to try to be anti-racist are actually racist policies themselves. You know, ideally what we would do is we would just, okay, try to make things as, as fair as possible starting right now. And I get that it, it doesn't work like that anyway, just because there's a reason um, that, you know, there's a lot of reasons, for example, why black Americans might have lower test scores on average or not do as well in school. And it's because like it starts with the history of racism where we have, uh, you know, still today because of the history of racism and redlining 
and everything that's happened redlining is essentially when they divide cities up into certain districts and traditionally black families had lived in poor areas with worse schools and more crime and things like that so because of all of these factors that's a part of the reason where why you know black people on average in the u.s get off to a worse start so to speak and you know don't have as good of educational opportunities and things like that um so it's a really tricky topic but just like the the uh, the affirmative action policies themselves i don't support them i don't think the solution to you know a history of racism is to put in policies that are racist the other way to balance it out i don't think that's the best solution that's just my opinion um so that one's kind of a tricky one you know like we have other issues here okay so like the you know the trans i'm going to talk about a couple things that are like big kind of overarching topics okay so let's just call like the transgender agenda um and this is something that's going on around the world, particularly in the West, particularly in the U.S. The U.S. might be at the forefront of this, where this whole gender identity thing is going on. And I've said it before, my organization is one of the organizations that is as liberal as possible and as progressive, quote-unquote, as possible on this topic. Basically trying to give, you know, transgender people, people who don't identify as as just male or female, you know, they're non-binary or they've, you know, changed genders. That's It's, you know, birth sex male identifies as female or vice versa. Um there's a massive push to create equality, equal opportunities and equal rights for these people all throughout um, society. And so <clears throat> it's it's a big, big, big topic, right? And um, it's funny because the, the Rep- I feel like the Republicans who argue against this, I always hear the same argument. And it's a very limited scope. It's a limited way to look at this. The, literally, the argument they'll use, and they'll say that why this is bad is because Okay, well, women, you know, men now can play in women's sports. Men can play in women's sports, and that's not fair for the women. And it's like, okay, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yes, biological men should not be able to play in women's sports. I agree with that. But that's like a small part of this. They're taking that like very, what I think is a small portion of the issue here and using it as the evidence of why the whole thing should be like destroyed. Does that make sense? I, in general, still agree. Like, I'll say it on this podcast and I'll say it. Would I have the guts to say this in a big team meeting at work? I don't know because it's against the company line. But, like, I believe that someone with a penis is a man and someone with a vagina is a woman. Okay? And I believe that there are two genders. I believe that there's male and female. Now, I know that there are, like, one in a million whatever. I believe there are people who can be born you know, either with no genitals or I believe there are cases of people having like a penis or a vagina, but like, come on, like these are like one in like a million, billion, whatever. Um, like, um, you know, uh, those cases aside, it's kind of the same thing like I talked about with the abortion thing. It's like, okay, except for the the 1% of super rare cases like rape, incest, and uh, you know, when the females, when the woman's health is in jeopardy, like on this issue, let's take away those extremely rare cases where someone might literally be born with like, um, you know, not just male or female genitalia. Let's let's take those out of there. What we're talking about here is people who say, no, I was born with a vagina, but I identify as a male, or I was born with a penis, I identify as a female. That's what we're talking about here. Or they say, you know, I'm gender fluid, I identify as one or the other, whatever. Um, I'm a believer. I'm a believer that there are just two genders. There, There's male and female. And that you, If you were born with a penis, you are a male, you are a man. If you were born with a vagina, you are a female, you are a woman. That is what I believe. Now, the interesting thing is, and I've said this on the podcast before, I have, well, one friend, um, three other people who I wouldn't really consider friends, but that I've met and talked with on a personal basis that are transgender or non-binary. 
and I've never really had a deep enough conversation. I like them all. I get along with them all. I've never really had like a deep enough conversation or the guts to really go into this, to really go into this, to hear them make their counterpoints. Um, you know, and that's obviously because I don't want to hurt them, right? Um, but and so it would be it would be a good conversation to have, honestly. Um, and maybe I'll do that at some point. But this one is a big one, and just with this topic in general, I identify just as more Republican because I think there is a massive push to um, there's a massive push of transgenderism, if that's the appropriate word, on society. Some people will say, yeah, and they're pushing it on our kids now. Maybe, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not in the schools. I'm not sure how much it's, it's being pushed on children. But there is definitely a massive push towards transgenderism in society, particularly in the U.S. and just in the Western world in general. And I kind of disagree with that just because I, I, I think, I don't like it just because I do think that um, we, okay, well, first off, we got, we have bigger, God, how do I put this? See, this is this is part of the reason I wanted to do this. It's like, can I articulate this? Um, I think that there are certain things that we really should just stay traditional with, and something that seems so biologically obvious to me, like someone born with a penis is a man, a male, and someone born with a vagina is a female or a woman. Something like once we start, once we start saying, well, I don't know if that's true. Once we start like questioning that, like. What seems to be an extremely obvious reality. It's like, all right, then now what do we believe? What is 100% true if that's not 100% true? Oof. I don't know. Um, I think I'll leave my main argument on that there. Now, I I was going to go into more of COVID. I have a COVID podcast episode where I talked all about it. COVID is actually just the pandemic itself is a big part of the reason I started swaying more and more Republican because that was kind of when I realized that, um, okay, well, most of the media in the United States is left-leaning, probably 80% of it. And they also tend to, in my opinion, left-leaning media tends to not use a lot of logic. And they also, like throughout the whole pandemic, you know, the left-wing media side was essentially fear-mongering. It was making us believe that this pandemic was the worst thing that's ever, the scariest thing that's ever happened. We all needed to to mask up, to stay away from each other, and eventually get a vaccine. Um, and, you know, as I've said, I got two the first two doses of the vaccine. I, I caved. I caved into society at the beginning. And then I decided, you know, no, I'm done with this. But um, essentially, I, I don't think they, um, you know, as it related to the pandemic, I don't think, I'll, I'll just call it the left-wing media, you know, the left-wing media and the liberal um, politicians and liberal people involved didn't seem to use much logic and reasoning. It seemed to be like a lot of fear-mongering, a lot of like shaming, a lot of, they call it like virtue signaling, where they'll say like, you know, oh, well, if you don't put your mask on, you know, you're making it unsafe for the other people. Don't you care about the other people? You know, it was a lot of this like shaming, just this, this they call it virtue signaling nowadays. Nowadays, But it's, it's like not using actually logic and facts and statistics. It's trying to make people feel bad to change their opinion about something. I saw COVID that's, that's a big thing about what I saw COVID as. But when, in fact, you look at it, I mean, I'm of the opinion that COVID was very real. It was a, it was, it's a real virus. It still exists, right? I think I had it twice. Um, but anyway, it was a real virus. Um, I'm of the opinion that, it, I don't know. If you ask me, I'd say it probably came from the lab and it was... Uh, You know, uh, I don't think it was totally intentional, but I do think that very powerful people took advantage of the situation. I think then that it was a virus that for most of us was kind of like a flu or maybe just a bad flu. Um, I think that it was um, 
overblown. I think that, th- that we should not have been doing any lockdowns or any masking. I think that masks in general didn't help. I could see it if everyone was walking around with an N95 or an N99 all day, that that might have helped to reduce the transmission some. But then there's the breathing and health issues that come, in my opinion, with wearing a mask all day long. I think the social distancing and the you know shutting down businesses and schools temporarily did more harm than good. Um, I, in general, think that we should have lived life should have lived life as normal and i do make the argument and i will stand by this that i think that had had the news not told us that there was a pandemic we would not have realized anything was happening i I really do truly believe that like some people you know i follow some i guess i'll call them famous influencers who will say like you know they're the media is making you not believe your own eyes you know they'll say like did you actually see a pandemic well yeah i saw a pandemic on the news no did you actually see a pandemic did you, do you see a pandemic? Do you see people out on the street, outside, whatever, dying? And, you know, some people will make the case. Like, okay, yeah, you know, I know some family members, some friends who died or who got really sick. You know, I, I worked in a hospital. I was in the COVID unit. It was really bad. Um, so I think that there's, um, once again, there's a little bit of a gray area. In general, um, in my opinion, in my opinion still, I think that 90-some percent of us, had the news not told us there was a pandemic, we would not have known. Like they had, they just said, oh, live life as normal. We would not have noticed like, oh, more people are getting sick or, or you know, this is, just, this is just my opinion. But if you look at the statistics too, it's still hard to get statistics on like how much of a death increase there was in the U.S. versus how much of a death, you know, increase worldwide in total deaths. But it wasn't much like in general, you know, total deaths in the world, I think in 2020 and 2021 were possibly three to four percent higher, possibly, but statistics are tough to find than in other years. I think in the U.S. it got up to like eight to ten percent higher than a normal year. Um, still not even really like that significant. Like I think when people watched it on TV, they're like, "Oh my God!" Like ten times as many people are dying compared to usual. When in fact, um, you know, total deaths, you know, like. Yeah, COVID compared to other causes of deaths was was still not even like that high. Now, it did become for a while like the third or fourth cause of death in the U.S. So this is why it's a nuanced topic because then like the right wingers will say, well, that's because everybody that died of something else got diagnosed with COVID when they died and they counted as a COVID death. So it's a very nuanced topic, very, very nuanced topic. And the interesting thing is I I don't even want to like bring someone on the podcast to debate this either way because everyone has their immediate counterpoint to every one of those things that I just said. But the bottom line is it's very nuanced. Like, yes, your counterpoints are correct. And then my counterpoints are correct. And ultimately, like, we don't know. That's the big thing about the pandemic is we there's a lot of stuff about it that we'll probably never know. And then some of the people who do know are probably dead already. That, you know, <laughs> the ones that really, really know the real truth. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a very nuanced topic. But my whole thing is I kind of just stopped trusting what I'll call left-wing politicians and left-wing media in the U.S. because I saw them not using facts and logic. I saw them using trying to shame people, trying to shame people and make people feel bad, using emotions rather than facts and logic and really being manipulative. That's the way that I saw it. And so that's a big part of the reason I just became more Republican because I saw Republican conservative news is a bit more fact and logic based. Okay. Um, And so, yeah, there's that. I mean, and now I could go, I mean, I've got other topics that I could talk about here. We got taxes, we got climate, we got, um, you know, crime. Crime's a tricky one. It's like, what's the difference between like Republicans and you know Democrats and crimes like we don't want crime you mean like Republicans want crime and Democrats don't want crime no nobody wants crime it's like all right but how do you tackle the crime I don't know um 
Yeah, oh, you know what was a funny one is when I was looking through that list of uh, on that site that I told you about is like <laughs> one of the one of the questions is like should we go to war with Iran? And I'm like, what? Why? What do we know? We should go to war with Iran. I mean, and obviously it's about nuclear weapons, but like, okay. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong about this. I've said before, and like, you know, I'm someone who does have a good understanding of the Arab and Islamic world. I know that Iran is not part of the Arab world. Okay, they're Persians. They're not Arabs. But I mean, like, have a good understanding of the Middle East overall. From what I know about Iran, I like have... I don't know. I'm not concerned about an Iranian nuclear weapons program. Um, I Like, I... This is just getting way into like the Arab politics of stuff, but I trust the Shia Arabs, the Shia Muslims. I just I, I effed it all up by saying the Shia Arabs. I'm sorry. I trust the Shia Muslims more than I trust the Sunni Muslims, the ones that are like real big and powerful. I don't trust the Gulf Arab governing states. Okay, the the Sunni Muslim states. You know, um, uh, yeah, Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, and um, and uh, the UAE and and Qatar especially. I mean, I don't. Um, yeah, we could we could debate that all day because they got a lot of money and they got a couple really cool cities over there. But um, I, <laughs> when I saw that, should the U.S. go to war with Iran thing? That's that's probably that's Republican stuff right there. That's where I'll probably disagree with some Republicans. Be like, yeah, we gotta, you know, not necessarily go to war with Iran, but you know, we gotta stop Iran at all costs from getting nuclear weapons. I'm like, we got bigger issues than worry about Iran getting nuclear weapons, in my opinion. Like, legitimately, legitimately, this is. Oh man, the generals would hate me for this, but legitimately, I bet that Iran's nuclear energy program is almost all related to peaceful energy. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just guessing, but like I, this is one of those things I don't really trust what I hear from some of the you know U.S. military industry com, industrial complex funded media about this as well. And you know, foreign policy is just a, a massive issue that I used to study more than I did. Um, it's funny because one of the topics that I wrote down on this sheet was um, <laughs> like the was wars, like like you know you got your topics like abortion, climate, gay marriage, taxes, whatever, and then wars and like healthcare wars. And by wars, I meant like foreign policy, but it's just ridiculous because like eighty percent of the U.S. foreign policy over the last however many decades has revolved around wars. <laughs> um, and as far as which you know side, liberals, you know conservatives, Republicans, Democrats. Which presidents did a better job of, you know, of wars or of keeping us out of wars or of ending wars? I mean, I don't think any of them could get a real good grade on that. So I don't even know, I mean, uh, where to start with that. It's a whole other massive, massive topic. Jesus. Um, Long, I mean, long topics. I don't know. There's, There's just still so many. There's the social security debate. I've ranted on this podcast about retirement before. Um, you know, how I don't like the retirement saving system. I don't know. I should, I, maybe I should have like a real, if I had like the time and really wanted to do it, I could bring somebody on who's like, maybe just to kind of like debate me on some of these issues and we could just go for like four hours. It'd be kind of fun. Anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to call it there for today, but I hope you enjoyed this. Maybe you learned a thing or two, or maybe you just enjoy me rambling about political positions. Um, like I said, I think a lot of us kind of shy away from these conversations, but they're really good conversations to have. You know, we can learn a lot, share ideas, um, and as long as we're okay with disagreement on things, we can really grow as people in society. So, yeah, that's all I got for you today. Hope it was interesting. We'll talk again soon. Love y'all. Peace.